I always want to go. Like you can, when you're a kid. You can, you can add that if you'd like. <laughs> yeah, because that would make it sound so much better. It not. Would. Hello. Welcome to the show. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to Terror Talk with Shannon and Kathy. How's it going, Kathy? It's good. This yeah. This is a good time of year. It sure is. So, yes, we are just on the cusp of October. It's very exciting. It actually got a little bit even cooler, kind of, some of the days this week. It's not quite in the fall. But it's feeling nice. But it's a little bit better, especially at night. So today on the show, what we are going to do is right out of the gate, we're going to do some horror news. We're going to do some psych updates and different things for us. And then after that, we're going to do more of our Ted Bundy uh, revisit. And we are today going to do the second chunk of basically his childhood. Uh, last time we spoke about Ted Bundy, which was a couple weeks ago, we talked about the movie No Man of God. And we also started our revisit of our recorded Ted Bundy material, and this will be the second half of his childhood today on the show. And then after that, we will get into our horror watches and updates on books and TV shows and things that we're watching all in the horror genre. So that is the show today. You know, I wanted to mention really quickly to you, because I don't think that Kathy saw this, that one of our patrons on our Discord, which is our kind of our chat platform, basically, to talk to patrons and friends of the show and there is a channel on there called Terror Talk Bites which is where you can sort of really specifically chat about the show questions about the show anything you want to say like that sucked or that was great or whatever mm -hmm. <laughs> so one of our patrons whose name is Blue I wanted to make sure you saw this she was doing a little bit of a follow-up comment to your discussion on zoom fatigue got it and so she said interesting discussion on zoom dysmorphia this week there is actually research that turning off the feature that lets you see your camera feed is helping with zoom fatigue mm. people tend to get less vigilant and less performative when they aren't watching themselves on all the calls and then report less exhaustion yeah i bet that's good to know yeah i wanted yeah. to throw that out there because blue is definitely a, a research nerd and yeah we love her no we appreciate because that. we like the research as well and so i thought and that just makes sense to me it makes common sense but it isn't necessarily something that someone's gonna go like oh i might feel better if i just turn my camera off right they're not necessarily gonna think of that right. so you know right so that's yeah, cool. no, that, no, that makes sense, right? Because it does take a lot of extra effort, like when you're noticing yourself there. Mm -hmm. And yeah, yeah. The like other that. thing that's happening for fun um, in October, as part of our community, is that we're doing a bunch of. I just posted them actually. I uh, a bunch of movie challenges for October. I love to do challenge horror movie challenges in October, so I actually created them. I created one for uh, just watching as many movies as horror movies and then logging them and so it's like a quantity versus quality kind of sure. that's one way you can participate another way you can participate is and i'm telling you guys all this for one if you want to become a patron and join us that'd be super fun but also because if you guys want to do your own movie challenges with your friends or whatever i think it's just a super great way to to love the horror in this season i did a 31 31 day horror challenge and there's 31 different things different types of horror movies you have to watch in order to win that one and then i also created a quest challenge which is 
things like, you know, post a picture of yourself with a pumpkin or whatever, stuff like that. And I, so there's three ways. Maybe we need to post the pictures of what I was doing. And remember that one? I do. Yeah. Yes. I think I'd win some, some stuff for that. Kind of embarrassing photos of Kathy. Yep. I mean, she's not embarrassed. I'm not. But, you know, up to you whether you think she should be. I think she looks quite jaunty. I, I in think her, I look- pretty pumpkin good pumpkin shining whatever it was my shining, shining socks so- my shining knee socks holding the with, pumpkin sign with, with my short uh yeah shorts that was yeah adorbs i thought so as they say <laughs> anyway we're starting our october challenges we're also gonna ramp up like a lot of watch alongs in in the page in the patron in the discord because it's super fun i think what we should do next is a little segment oh you want to go right there we like to call Oh, she did like a death metal one. All right. I like it. Horror Facts with Kath, ladies and gentlemen. Are you ready? I'm going to... This is the one where I have to take notes. Okay, I'm ready. I got it. I feel like Ice knows this one. Ice, for those of you who are new, is a friend and patron of the show. Just because he and I are really big on the old commercials. Okay, got it. In the year 1990... Prior to my birth. <laughs> she had to throw that out there. Just kidding. Can you imagine? <laughs> Shannon's sitting with a seven-year-old. <laughs> this Halloween candy commercial involved Count Dracula demonstrating how he ate what Halloween chocolate favorite? Okay. You understood the question? Yes. I did. Okay, I did. Number two. <laughs> She's like, you did understand it, right? There are about 50 people in the world who have a medical condition called hypertrichosis. What is this condition otherwise known as? Okay. Got it. Number three, what can be used to repel a ghost? (laughs) Fog machine? No. Okay. This isn't funny. (laughs) But it is. Number four, What common blood deficiency was once often mistaken for a symptom of a vampire attack? God, these are good questions. These are good questions, Kathy. What happened? It took some time. Yeah. Probably a couple weeks ago. That's why you don't remember them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. Number five. What was Freddy Krueger accused of and how did he die? forgot a word in my question and that's what was led to <laughs> she took a little pause which i probably cut out <laughs> of where she was like couldn't read her writing I'm like what am i trying to ask her here <laughs> i'm like what word is oh okay <laughs> what is i that? had to read the answer to know what the hell i was asking <laughs> nice okay. so how this works is She's asked me all those questions. I've made some notes about what I think the answer is, which I don't usually know. And then at the end of the show, we will give out the answers. So stay tuned to the end or whatever. Skip to the end, whatever you want to do to get the answers. So we'll do that a little bit later. I think you also had an event you wanted to mention. Yes? Yes. Well, yes, I did. (laughs) Okay. This one is called, I haven't looked at this one in a while, called the Fright Factory. And it sounds pretty terrifying Mm. featured on the travel channel as one of the scariest haunted attractions in America. It takes place inside a 120 plus year old factory in the basement. Mm. The basement is 25,000 square feet. 
split into three themes. Once you're in, there's no time to rest until you make it out, if you make it out. The pictures look really terrifying, but let me look at and see where it is. I don't know why I don't have the location of it, but I'll get that for you. Scary Town, USA. Uh, looks like Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Nice. Philly. Yeah. All through October. Perfect. Looks pretty terrifying if you go to the pictures. Yeah, no, looks awesome. Sounds awesome. Uh, I didn't know if you saw that now they've put out another Britney Spears thing. It's like controlling Britney Spears. I think we're going to be seeing a lot of this for a while. It's like a new documentary that's been dropped now. Like we talked, we did all our whole, well, our season opener. We had a conversation about the other Britney Spears doc and now yeah. there's a new one. Yeah, I, I think this is, I know by the time people listen to this episode, we'll be beyond this because this article came out September 7th, 2021. But most people now know that Britney Spears' father files to end court conservatorship. So this is interesting because we opened season four talking about this case. With his bad press, with basically. His, <laughs> with his bad press and how much the court was like, we need to test Britney for competency and she's it. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, that's just dropped. Yes. All of a sudden, she's competent. She's a good mom. <laughs> mm -hmm. She can handle her own money. And here's the, here's the, the, here's the shit kicker. As Mr. Spears has said again and again, all he wants is what's best for his daughter. Oh, he's maintained that. And his, mm -hmm. his publicist has maintained that uh, point of view the whole time. But then the, here's the passive aggressive. If Miss Spears wants to terminate the conservatorship and believes that she can handle her own life, Mr. Spears believes that she could get that chance. It's like, oh, if you really think you can do this without me. <laughs> She's mm. like, yes, yes, yes I do. Please. Yeah, fuck off. God. I mean, it's just interesting, right? The second he drops it, no one else, no, now the court's no longer, we don't have to worry about competency. She's, she's good to go. Because dad was, because dad the, was the arbiter of truth. That's right. The that's assessor right. of her competency this yeah. whole time. Yes, he was. Point taken. <laughs> we, this was exactly everything we were saying when we opened. We're like, none of this makes sense. And this is where the court is corrupt and all this stuff. And here it is. You know, this is our point. It's like all of a sudden it's just dropped. Yeah. <laughs> of course it is. It's all fine. Everyone's fine. Good Lord. Ugh. Good Lord. Good for you, Brit. Yeah. Spare Brittany or whatever that hashtag is. Free Brittany. <sighs> yeah, free Brittany. Thank you. Uh, did you know that the real life conjuring house is back on the market for $1.2 million? Oh my God. We can buy that and do our recordings from there. We can, we could move there. Where's the house? Rhode Island farmhouse. Nope. Oh, Rhode Island but is beautiful. I know though. I'm saying we could do that like a couple seasons out of the year and then be Airbnb it. Oh, for sure. Just like with terror yes. talk themes. Yeah. <laughs> through the year. I mean, why cool. not? Burlville, Rhode Island. 1677 Road Top Road. I like that address though. 1.2 Or mil. address, depending on what part of the country you're from. Some people say address, some people say address. Every time. <laughs> but address to me means like address. Yeah, no, I know. I, I hear you. Okay. Every so often, an opportunity presents itself to possess an extraordinary piece of cultural history. This is the listing for it. <laughs> possess. Wah, wah. Drum, drum How roll. This house is either going to go. 
incredibly <laughs> fast or it's going to be sitting there like, uh-uh, I don't yeah, want that like, juju. That. The true story of The Conjuring started in this very house in Harrisville, Rhode Island. Oh, now they're saying Harrisville, whatever. The critically acclaimed original movie was based on accounts taken from inhabitants of this 14-room farmhouse. 14 rooms, which, you know, mean, includes the closet on the left-hand side, like rooms. If it's a big enough closet. <laughs> yeah. It's a farmhouse, though. That's kind of cool. I mean, there's land and everything. Rumored to be haunted by the presence of Bathsheba Sherman, who in the 1800s lived in this house. 1677 Roadtop Road is one of the most well-known haunted houses in the United States. The chilling stories from this house have inspired dozens of books and movies. Many qualified paranormal researchers have been invited into the home most famously ed and lorraine warren who founded the oldest ghost hunting team in new england and in the 1970s were hired to rid the home of its evil the warrens confirmed that the events depicted in the conjuring movies actually transpired the current caretakers have reported countless happenings in the house and have turned overnight guest bookings and group events on the property into a steady successful business so some say bathsheba some say bathsheba (laughs) i want to say batsheba batsheba batshit bathsheba Okay, we're going to be done now. I just wanted you to know that piece of information. I'd be selling that house if I owned it too. I'd be like, I'm out. And now they keep banking all these movies. Well, they They're made waking a bunch up of money all the off dead. of it. They probably made a bunch of money off of it. And now they just don't want to have that business anymore. Right. And they don't actually want to live in the freaking house. No. So they probably didn't live there. But whoever buys it is going to turn it into like, a business it's so gotta be we could visit that business we could stay in one of the 14 rooms right. i don't want to visit the closet again i've been there long enough <laughs> <laughs> but i'll pick another room if you understand that reference <clears throat> you are our people also i wanted to let you know that stranger things season four teaser I'm is out so excited oh i haven't seen the teaser okay so i just want to talk about it a little bit you can do that i don't <laughs> i don't know anything about it's it finally on its way Soon. I mean, we know it's coming in 2022, but they're already dropping teasers. So I'm hoping it's the first quarter of 2022, but I don't I know. hope so. It'd be kind of weird for it to come out in the winter, but I'll, you know, I'll take it. No, I was thinking maybe, well, they maybe did like s- late in the quarter, like end of March, April. Like when, they, does, they when do d- they usually two, drop? Well, it's been different. Oh. There was one season, it was Halloween season. Then it was 4th of July, the year before that. It was like, they've done random. Well, let me read this and maybe it'll indicate why horror icon robert england is playing victor krell in season four a disturbed man who is imprisoned in a psychiatric hospital for a gruesome murder in the 1950s england himself doesn't appear in this new footage but it does seem to spotlight the character at a young age and it suggests the season four of stranger things is going to unlock unique new horrors so okay yeah imprisoned oh no this makes sense what we know of season four thus far is that hopper is still alive i'm reading this on bloody disgusting.com imprisoned far from home in the snowy wasteland of kamchata kamchatka where he will That's like face <laughs> where he will face dangers both human and other so snowy so it would make sense winter if it comes out in winter. So that that does sort of, and of course the the hubbub is you know the biggest and most frightening season, and we can't wait for everyone to see it. Type of well, it's situation. only wait, I mean they're, they're all like thirty years old now. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, they took forever when there was no COVID, but with COVID, even longer. Uh, you wanted to mention something about the, oh, we we recently went to, as we have mentioned before, Oogie Boogie Nights at Disney's California Adventure, and we also went to Halloween Horror Nights already in September at Universal Studios and had a hell of a good time. We did. And I, uh, <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre scared the bejesus out of me. Yeah, so I think we would both say that uh, at ho- the Halloween Horror Nights... They upped their ante this year. The best house, the scariest, or the one we just hit right, you know, because sometimes <sighs> you can just hit it right timing-wise. The first maze we went on, we always get the front-of-line pass because standing in line for two and a half hours to have a 60-second maze is just really not going to happen for me. But because I prioritize my Halloween, I like to spend money on making it the best ever. And so we get the front of line pass, which is available to everyone. You just have to pay a little bit more money. And we the first maze we hit was the Texas Chainsaw Massacre one. Oh, my God. And it was awesome. Listen, we go every year and some of the mazes are really fun and some of them are kind of spooky. And I have been scared before. But they upped their ante this year, and you said it best. It was they did the the misdirection. Yes. So, yeah, that was what was really excelled in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And then the one we went in afterwards was similar but not not as good. But what they did in the TCM maze that was so great was misdirection. In other words, making you look one way to scare you from the other way. So, it was you know, I mean, haunted mazes are jump scares. That's what they are. Is, is, so, if the jump scares don't work... <laughs> in a maze then then it's fun it's definitely fun and spooky and ghosty but you don't actually jump or get scared if, if it doesn't work but then the tcm one oosh that one and then i ran out at the end because i was get. i think i was getting like leather yes. faces like running the train on me and then i had like another guy banging on the side of the wall the, i mean there was like four leather faces coming There's at a, me there at was the a end. climax there at the end and she got overwhelmed and ran <laughs> terrified which was super cute because she's always in front of me because she's shorter than me so she was like running away in front of me left me to die basically i screamed all the way out leatherface just annihilated me and you ran away that's what happened yeah uh but the lines you were gonna maybe we wanted to mention how the lines yeah, were working there, there was a there was an article in the paper that was talking about how now since covid one of the positive things that have come out of parks like actually going to parks and waiting in line is now they do this reservation system. So even if you're an annual pass holder, you still have to go online and register for that day so they can control how many people are coming into the park and they still allow a really good amount of, it's not like, you know, it's sparse and there's like it's nobody not like in the when park. The beginning, I went when it was right, yeah. right after they let people in again and it was very sparse, which was really fun, but that's obviously not manageable. It, it, yeah. It's not manageable and, and they're not going to make money that way. So they have found a system that, that controls the population. So the, what people used to have to wait sometimes an hour and 45, two hours in line, I find that even if you don't have a fast pass, you're not waiting longer than 45 minutes to an hour for these rides now. And I think that just makes people want, I think they'll end up making more money because especially when it's hot out, 
people, I mean, if you've been on Pirates of the Caribbean, I love that ride, but I'm not going to wait three hours for it no. if I've been on it a thousand times. Yeah, I mean, I'm not coming from another country and never been on it before, so it's not going to be the thing that I... You're and so I think, privileged. And I, <laughs> it's true. I am privileged to have lived by Disneyland Seriously? almost my whole life just because that makes me happy. But yeah, I mean, I bought a Magic Key, which is the new annual pass program. And so... And one of the reasons why I did that was because I really am a supporter of this new reservation situation because you do have to plan your days. Now, when I lived closer to Disneyland, I used to just like pop over for dinner or whatever, which was super fun. And I do believe that you will be able to do that eventually. And But the way it will look is that they will have reservations open for tomorrow or they will have reservations open for later today because mm-hmm. it. I just believe you'll just have to have a presence of mind to just go on and make a reservation like you would at any restaurant. The only thing that's really interesting and and harder a little bit now is that there are two rides. uh, There's a couple of rides. One of them is in Marvel land at DCA, the web spinner one, and then uh, rise of the resistance, I believe. And there's a couple of rides where you have to do this whole like get in the line 7 a.m. virtually and push the button and try to get a space. And a lot of times you just won't. So it does push out those newer ones. It makes them less available to people who have never been on them. But the regular fast passes and all that other Michigan (laughs) (laughs) is all good. So I agree. You know, the other thing I wanted to mention was, oh, oh, what was your thing? Favorite thing about Oogie Boogie this year? Did you have a favorite thing? I kind of liked that we went on a bunch of rides. Yeah, we We don't usually do that. And we were able to do uh, the rides with very, again, very little That's weight. That's why we did it. Yeah. Because usually the lines are so long on the rides that we just go, oh, screw it. Yeah. Know? So we were able to do all of like our favorite rides with, which at California Adventure, there's only a handful anyway that are worth going on, in, in my Agreed. opinion. Agreed. So we were able to do all of those, eat dinner and, you know, get a couple snacks and whatever, and then go into the trick-or-treating. So we were able to see a lot of the park. And, oh, and we also, like, were able to look at some merchandise before yeah. we... Yeah. So we were able... Oh, we were still done by, like, 11 or something. Yeah. <laughs> we were able to really... I think we were there from, like, 5.30 to 11. And we were able to see everything. And I think, again, that is... Partial, you know, partially due to the way that they're doing the Absolutely. tickets now, and so it's just a better experience. It was a better experience. I really enjoyed it. The parade is probably like one of my favorite parts of that event. There isn't a lot. There isn't a ton to that event. No, there's not, and I miss it being at the, the you know. If it was in Disneyland, I, I'm going to say something controversial between you and I. I don't know that I need to go to that every year anymore the the unless they unless they add stuff agreed i think there wasn't that much going on like i was like okay so i'm gonna trick-or-treat like a kid which i totally and thoroughly enjoy because there's no really elsewhere you as an adult you can really do that so there is like such a fun thing to trick-or-treating but that's literally and the parade is cute and fun and i love going on the cars ride and i love seeing the merchant stuff but other than that I just, I'm like, hmm, I wonder if I'll skip this next year, which would have been sacrilege a couple years ago. Here's what I'm thinking. Okay, please. Here's what I'm thinking. Help me. Because we've now done Oogie Boogie. A bunch of times. A bunch of times. I still want to go, but I say we just do 
go to Disneyland. We go to Disneyland and do their whole day. Have, because when you go to the Haunted Mansion yeah, during Halloween, exactly, I don't all, need the trick-or-treating part. I don't either. And also, I can go and buy something at the bakery there yeah. that is like, they do a whole bunch of Halloween stuff. They do all sorts of merch. I mean, it's just like the... so. Okay, so you've heard, you us, you've heard us make our plans. The one thing I, the last thing I would like to mention uh, news-wise before we take a break, and then after the break, we're going to get into the some Ted Bundy. We're going to turn the corner to Ted Bundy. Tubi. Do you watch Tubi, Kathy? I've used it before, but not often. Tubi is a service that, you know, movie service that anyone can watch, and if in it just has ads, and there's so many movies on there, and it's so fun that way. And the thing I love about Tubi is that there is tons of horror on Tubi. Like, tons of horror you've never even heard of. Lots of independent stuff, but also lots of stuff you have heard of, and it's always changing. So one of the fun things to do at this time of year to just add into your horror watching to be uh they usually do a terror on Tubi lineup featuring like all the spooky content all october long and so they have a bunch of stuff they they feature a lot of frightening movies and there's usually you know you can google the lists and stuff they usually have something coming out every day or every week. And then you could make your own, you know, to be list of things, but there's also original stuff, original programming coming to terror on to be. Cool. Yeah. So there's like stuff coming out a 13 part true crime series called meet Mary and murder. So like there's a ton of cool stuff. There's famously haunted Amityville. There's celebrity nice. exorcism. Oh, how funny. <laughs> uh, which is pretty funny. Harland Manor. There's some original programming that's more documentary based, et cetera. But for this Halloween, I mean, there's Tubi has like over 5,000 horror and paranormal titles. So I just want to throw it out there. If you don't have the money to have the streaming services or you just right now just don't want to pay for them all because it's annoying, go to Tubi, watch some horror. Enjoy. Awesome. All right. We're going to take a break. And when we get back, we're going to do more of our revisit to Ted Bundy's childhood. So we'll be right back. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the show. What we're going to do is continue our revisit to our Ted Bundy material that we did a lot of work on a few years ago when we first started the podcast. And the sound is not great, but I've done a lot to improve it. And so what we're doing now, which we started a couple of weeks ago, is we're revisiting the material because I think the material is really solid. Mm -hmm. And all of the work that we put in, that you put in specifically... And all that time and attention we we gave it and the discussions, I think, are really solid. It's just the sound was not that great. So, no, but you did a, a bang-up job. A bang-up job making it sound tolerable for this re-listen. But also, you know, I feel like we've changed in some of the ways we go about conversations. You know, we're, we've been doing this for three years now. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think we've just developed as people and as a people with an opinion about these things. And also we've studied so many more famous criminal profiles and ser serial killers for the most part. And 
how we've integrated all of that with horror movies, etc. So I just feel like we have a different perspective. So what's going to happen now is there's going to be chunks where we're, we, you and us are re-listening to this material that we did and then we're going to jump in every now and then and kind of add things that we might think or feel now that maybe were different or things we may have learned since then. I don't know. So where we left off last time was that we were talking, we were about halfway through the first chunk of the first episode we ever did on Ted Bundy. And you were taking us through his childhood and, and a lot of the attachment issues, mm-hmm. honestly, that were that were happening there and talking about how his mother was very depressed and she grew up with a psychopathic father, basically, someone who beat and hurt everyone, yelled, was a horrific person in the household and Ted didn't know who his father was at this point and this grandfather the mother's father was really raising Ted so that was the influence there and so we talked about how it was a very sad home and so let's just continue to listen on and see what we find great home where someone you know a child all the children were not being uh, respected were not being mirrored, meaning they have an emotion and you validate that that emotion is real mm-hmm. and okay. A home where they're just not, they're not being paid attention to at all or given any of that life lessons or how to get things done. I mean, to the That's simplest right. things. And I think it even, this gets amplified even more when Bundy later down mm-hmm. the road, and I'll get into Anne Rule and her role in this later, but Ted worked at a crisis hotline in his 20s and he met Anne Rule, who's actually a, was a crime novelist, she passed away, and she wrote a really, really great book called *The Stranger Beside Me* that talks about her experience knowing him all the way to his death. And that he identified, he shared with Anne that he identified, respected, and clung to his grandfather. So talk about how modeling and sort of that trauma bonding, mm. all of that stuff, plays a part. And he looked at Simon as as this powerful, admirable person. So there's a there's yeah. a lot right there. So sort of moving forward with this, Eleanor's you know embarrassing secret. So so she because of that, she raised Ted to believe that she was actually his sister, and his grandparents were his parents. So now we've fucked up his identity twice. Mm-hmm. So by the age of ten, Ted started suspecting that something was wrong and he was living a lie. He was starting to pick up things that just didn't make any sense. Okay. But not yet didn't know anything for sure yet just sort of kind of compartmentalized that he started showing signs that he was unwell and maladjusted around three years old which is really interesting so he his aunt julia was sitting was babysitting him one day and she was taking a nap and she woke up to him smiling and standing over her and he was three and some reports say that he was even like giggling he had grabbed mm-hmm. all the knives from the cutlery drawer in the kitchen and arranged them on her pillow with all the points of the knives pointing down to her face. How a three-year-old knows how to do that, I don't know. She what did she do? freaked do out. Know? And she sort of got up and, I mean, what from her report is she was so completely thrown off and terrified. And the more terrified she was, the more satisfaction he appeared to get up. Yeah, yeah. going to have you stop there. We both, we both wanted to stop Wait. it at the same time. <laughs> I mean, what a freak. Right? But if you think about, he was one of the first cases I read when we think about identity and how I think it was his case that made me look into that much further when someone is 
misguided about their identity or there's parts of their identity that are missing or parts that you find out later were a lie or omitted, how much that can affect somebody, especially in, remember, we look at everything in context, in conjunction with being exposed to all the abuse that he was, it was everything. It was the broken or the fragmented identity on top of viewing his possibly his father, but his grandfather as this very powerful, like, I want to emulate that. You put all of these pieces together. There was no chance for this guy. Mm -mm. Hearing that story about, and I'm just about to comment on it actually of what I thought after I heard about that story, but uh, with the three-year-old standing over the aunt Julia. So, I really enjoyed the re-listen because I forgot a lot of this material about Bundy. Me too. Because you just don't, and I think a lot of people do, and a lot of people don't attend to the attachment stuff that was going on with him as a young man, as a young kid. People just focus on him being evil. I know, and that's the thing, (laughs) Mm -hmm. right? Okay, sure. He's evil. All right, let's play a little bit more of this. That's, you know, that's where you look at it and you go three years old. That's where I think a lot of people go, is this just pure evil? Well, yeah, and they don't understand. I mean, what can we talk about? What can we say about that that isn't about evil, that's about child behavior? I think that children act out out of instinct. So there there was Mm -hmm. an instinct there for, I mean, and you tell me if I'm on the right track, but when I hear that, I hear that a child has an instinct to act out some, some kind of impulse or instinct that that's inherent in them, but that they also have probably witnessed because there was a lot of violence in the home and that they're trying to understand it. And so they, just like with sexual impulses when in small children, like they're trying to understand what it is and they don't quite exactly. And I think that my guess would be the same as yours is he's seen some version of this at this point, mm-hmm. whether it was with mm-hmm. a knife or something else, he's been exposed to violence already at this point. Really sad, but also very terrifying at the same time. Uh, well, yes, it's yeah. Yeah, a precursor to many horrific acts. So but yes. um, moving forward a little bit now, so I, I kind of backtracked to three, but I think now, you know, but we're probably back up yeah, to about probably. 10 years old in 1950. Well, no, 1950, he would have been only four. So at the urge of, you know, multiple, we're leaping forward. We're leaping He's, forward leap to forward. four years old. <laughs> leaping forward, leaping back. So <laughs> Eleanor, by the urge of a lot of family members, they said, you know, she should leave the house. She was living in with her biological mom and dad. And she left and started actually going by her middle name, Louise. So can I, can I, ju- I'm just going to jump in right here. This is the part where I can hear you like you walked into the kitchen or something. <laughs> Can you hear the room tone like shifts? It's just funny. I, I want to let the listeners into the fact that uh, if you didn't listen to the first chunk, we're in separate locations. This yeah. is back in the day in separate locations where we were on our phones. And I'd we like were recording. Sit at, I'd sit at my coffee table. Yes. And this is pretty funny. So listen to the material, but also listen to Kathy in her kitchen doing something. I'm not sure what Pro- you went probably, to get a drink. Or probably like asking Belle to get away from some. I don't know. You know, <laughs> that's the dog. So anyway. It just, I think we should have a sense of humor about that yeah. because that was what we were doing. But we were also, honestly, it was our first season. So it's like, we're just doing our thing. And she's like talking about Ted Bundy, you know, making some eggs or whatever. Oh I don't know. <laughs> anyway, let's go. So if you do any research on Ted Bundy and her, his mother's name comes up, it can, can come up as either Eleanor or Louise. They left Philly 
she and Ted left Philly and they moved to Tacoma, Washington. And they had initially moved in with Louise's uncle, Jack, who also sort of plays a, a positive role in this. So, but Ted was really devastated to leave his father. I mean, his, who he thought it was his father, his grandfather, Simon. And he had a really difficult time adjusting. So it's noted that, and I sort of said this earlier, that he remembers Simon to be a loving father, even though he was completely tyrannical. So it speaks to his mm. trauma, his emotional repression. But Jack sort of stepped in and became a father figure. And he was a musician. And he was actually a, one of the more positive male influences that Ted had. <clears throat> so this is where Louise, or Eleanor, meets a man by the name of John Bundy. And she marries him. He's a hospital cook. And apparently a pretty, from what I understand, a, a decent man. But Ted never really felt close to him because, and this is where the grandiosity and potential narcissism starts, is he felt John was inadequate, financially unsuccessful. He was not very bright. He just didn't mm -hmm. feel that John was enough. And so John and Louise ended up having more children, but Ted never connected. He was very distant from that. So he started demonstrating this grandiosity and appearing to feel above the law even before he was a teenager but you know we, we have some like padromal indicators so psychologically you think that was i mean what i hear is you think that was a reaction to uh, the abandonment he felt of not being able to be with who he thought was his parents and who he idolized and his father slash grandfather and there was sort of there was an abandonment there's an abandonment thing, thing there, thing there but i also think he started to value who Simon was, that he, he presented as very powerful, mm. he could scare people, he was very threatening, and then he meets John, who's like, probably just a normal, decent human being, and he's like, you're weak, you're pathetic, you're not enough. Right. So he starts from an early age, he values that power, that grandiosity. <clears throat> and so I think he starts to show, to demonstrate those values when his mother meets John, he... I just want to take a <laughs> We keep stopping at the same <laughs> point. So okay, you say what you're going to say first and then I'll. Sometimes when we look at, I've, I've had people ask me before when I present on narcissism or whatever, they'll say, how, why is it that sometimes a child will end up becoming narcissistic like the parents and why then do some end up becoming more of, you know, just they acquiesce to every need. They don't have boundaries. They, and partially it is due to how they view the abusive parent. So if they identify more with and look up to that power and control, then that is essentially more, they become then like, you know, the golden child to the narcissist and oftentimes then are the one who becomes the next in line. If you're following like Daniel Shaw's work on traumatic narcissism, he talks a lot about that in his book. And, and so it was evident with Ted that he saw this other father figure and even his mother as weak and wanted to take the parts of this abuser and make that his own. And so that's oftentimes what we see, like why does one child go one way and why one goes the other? Also, I mean, some, sometimes that does have to do with the way that the parent does treat the child, but he very much valued the, the power and control in that parent. Yeah, and the dominating father that he had had, meaning his grandfather, but that was the father figure. Yep. The dominating father was abusive to his mother 
and that's the way the household was controlled right and saw his mother as weak i'm assuming mm-hmm. and then goes out and kills women yep so there's that sort of connection as some, well some modeling yes a little bit also i wanted to throw out there that you dropped to the word prodromal mm. and i and i noticed we didn't explain we never clarified. that no, we I, never, was, I was waiting for one of us to and i'm like wow we just went right through that yeah we just didn't even i mean yeah and that that just shows how we change too right my immediately because i'm usually the one that goes hey can you explain it, it, yeah that and thing? What, what does that mean I'm, yeah I'm like, I'm like the host that goes uh what is what is that for the people who don't know what the hell yeah that i mean is. prodromal so anyway, just means like early symptoms or signs of something mostly related to a condition or an illness or in in mental health we might say we cannot technically diagnose this person with schizophrenia because of their age but we're starting to see prodromal symptoms meaning Mm -hmm. you know previous to a full diagnosis we might start to see early onset we might start to figure out that they're starting to maybe hear things that aren't there but they don't have the full so it's early symptoms early signs of some syndrome or or illness or something yeah like if it was with psychosis right it would be you would start to feel like the shifts within yourself yes you don't meet criteria for a diagnosis you don't have any like clear cut you know i saw the lamp talk to me or whatever that's right it might be something like i'm starting to experience a lot of paranoia Mm-hmm. but not yet hearing a voice. Okay, cool. Yeah. So we explained that. There's only about about 40 seconds left of this, so we'll just finish this out, have some last thoughts, and move on. His early mirror was this violent, strong, controlling... If you're learning how to be a man, if you're learning how to be a person from your parents, that, that, was, his that was his mirror. Yep. And so later... When the when the mirror changed, it was like, wait, I don't, I don't like this. This mirror is yeah, more human. This is, this is too, like this, this person one. is pathetic. They're not threatening. So yeah. yeah, so that's sort of the end of the childhood piece because now we're, you know, we will sort of move into some of his teenage years. So I just do a little wrap up as okay. I do. Okay, so after the break, ba 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 ba. One thing I will mention too that I hear in what we just talked about is when we talk about narcissism or we talk about the criminal pathology that we address so often on the show, we often talk about those ideas of mirroring. And so that that word comes up a lot. And in fact, last time we spoke about Ted and we spoke about the movie with No, uh, no Man of God, we talked about how the... FBI agent mirrors him just enough to build all of that confidence and also establishes and mirrors him with the narcissism as well so that Ted does not immediately think that he's weak. And I think I talked, I mentioned this last time in working with narcissists myself, they have to believe that you are as smart or as manipulative as they are mm-hmm. now you can manipulate someone to think that <laughs> so that's what you have to do when you work with narcissists you have to somewhat manipulate them into believing that you know what you're doing 
Right. Even when you don't, because narcissists can be very shattering in the moment. Like mm-hmm. they can really throw you off your game. Mm-hmm. They're very sophisticated. At least these types of narcissists yeah. that we're talking about, the dead bundies of the world. Yeah. And so you, but you have to be able to cover it because you have to be vulnerable enough so that they believe that they can manipulate you, but not so stupid that they think you aren't a worthy adversary. Right. That's a little bit of what I was talking about with the mirroring. In other words, the new stepdad was not a worthy adversary. No, well, which is why I think, what's his name, who ends up interviewing him at the end? Hagmeyer? Yes, why Ted liked him, because he was that balance between, yeah, tell me, I, I don't know everything, teach me, but also I know some things. Yes. And he had respect for Bill. Yes, and so yeah. that's that balance that, you know, most people are watching that and going, gosh, why is he so successful? Why did Ted Why did Ted mm-hmm. respond to him? And I just, I just like kind of teasing that out right. because there is a reason. He's definitely using psychology. Mm-hmm. He's definitely manipulating Ted. But there's a way to manipulate narcissists. And a lot of times I get this with, you know, younger therapists who are confronting these kinds of spectrums of personalities is that they don't want to, but that's just me like giving into them or that's me like placating I get that word a lot placating them or having them believe that they really are smart and that they're really getting one over on me and you just have to very much the difference between you and a and a rigid narcissist is that you have control of your ego and by control I mean you can manage it and you can observe it and you can use it when it's necessary because we all need ego to get up in the morning but like you you can be okay, I'm going to set my ego aside. Mm -hmm. You have to set your ego aside and how you project who you are. But your ego is very much driving the bus because that's how you can control whether you set it aside or not. But the narcissist can't do that. No, it's an autopilot. So I counsel people or, you know, mentor or supervise people and say, that's all right. You know, you know, but they get but we all get caught up in our own traumas right. with narcissism right so it's like but you're not letting him pull the wool over your eyes so why are you afraid to pretend like you are in order to get the end goal of having him trust you right but yep when we're newer it's like but i don't want him, but he should know he's a jerk yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there are some people even well into the work that refuse to work with them because that's they fine. yeah because they know they can't get to that place and and it it's that's under, fine. understandable. That's why yeah. it's definitely a niche. Yep. So don't do it if you don't want, can't. Shannon has the patience of Job. <laughs> oh, God. It gets me in so much trouble. <laughs> all right, guys. So we're going to take a, a wee break, and we'll be back with horror watches and all kinds of other goodness. So we'll be right back. Hi, everybody. We're back. We are. Yes. So now we're going to talk books and, and movies for horror times. I wanted to mention, you know what? I started a whole other book. <laughs> so on the Discord, we are reading The Whisper Man by Alex North. And we were we are rounding it up. So when you hear this episode, a few days after that, meaning by October 3rd, we will be done with that book and having our chat on the Discord uh, voice chat w- about the book in our book club. So we are rounding the corner on that. We certainly are. And Kathy got very frustrated because we pace our reading for it. So it's like, read this much by sun- each Sunday. There's like, read this much by that Sunday. And then we do it I got like frustrated that. how? I wanted to keep reading? Yes. That's how. 
she wrote on the discord there's one she's like ah, i want to keep reading but, but it's, a, it's good i know it is good and you can keep reading it's just you have to remember not to spoil it when we have I, do, I don't though i like to I read either. it with us yeah i do too i really like the we pace it and then whoever wants to can shitty chat on sunday evenings about how it's going and you don't have to do that you could just show up for the voice chat and read the whole book as fast as you in three days or whatever but we like to pace we like to pace so yeah so that's going really well <laughs> it's a good one and then i wanted to say i picked up this book it's called fever dream and it's by samantha schweblin schweblin that's a fun name that's to right say. right say that a lot it's only 183 pages and yes it does read like a fever dream only i have to tell you it's quite gripping here's the reason why i picked it up one, it was on Book Outlet, so and it was cheap. Okay. So it was in there. I don't know if you guys use Book Outlet, but it's very dangerous because you can get some books for very affordable prices on there. And you get, you know, there's a bunch of horror books on there that are what you would think and things you know. And then there are other ones where you're like, what's that? So I picked this up because in October, Shudder has an original film that they picked up that they are showing called Fever Dream, and it's based on this book. And when I saw that it was only 183 pages and that it was a movie coming out in October, I thought, boom, let me just read it real quick. Yeah. Watch the movie, and then I can discuss both when we get there because I'm definitely going to schedule a watch along for the movie because why the heck not? So that's what I'm reading. I'm also reading, of course, The Whisper Man. And I continue to read. I, our next book in the book club is Rosemary's Baby, Ira Levin, picked by our patron Blue. So we're going to read that as well. But that's kind of what I got into this week. Okay. That book, reading that book. I'm almost done. I'm so close. Very, very good. I'm almost done with Final Girl Support Group. Okay. I probably have, I'm probably about 80% in cool i've been super busy and then we've been reading the other one I, otherwise i would have been done with it by now you know it's it's good it's different it it takes a really dark turn uh, uh, grady's really good at doing at that taking dark turns yes. yeah i mean but usually there's it's still balanced by humor mm. And although that's there, Not it's much, getting huh? less and less <laughs> and and there was one part where it really turned and i went oh, we are in a totally different book now. You're like, this ain't funny no more. Yeah, it's it's um really graphic, and I could see where it could even be triggering or traumatizing for some people who sure. have experienced assaults and things like that, but it's really well-written. It just, you know, I loved Horror Store, and I loved my best friend's Exorcism, and I plan on reading the one you're reading right now. But this one is, it's his newest one, and it's it certainly has the flavor of Grady, but... It's also different. Yeah. And so it's sounding to me like right at this moment, if you were going to do a little bracket on Grady books, you uh -huh. would put My Best Friend's Exorcism first, of course. Yeah. And then you'd put Horror Store yeah. and then you'd put this book. Yeah. Just it's, right now. Just right we'll see now. How, we'll see how it sticks to landing, see what happens. But I felt like with My Best Friend's Exorcism and Horror Store, there weren't any points where I needed to take a break. And I feel like this one is much heavier and I've needed to take some breaks. Okay. And some people might actually appreciate that. They might like that. Yeah. I don't mind it. You know, it's just, it's just, it just different. took you by surprise That's because right. you were used to this particular yeah. author like that. Okay. Yeah. Right on. 
So the other the thing I think we should start with for our horror watches is that we both watched uh, most or all of the Shutter event where Elvira was back in the chair hosting movies. So she Elvira was live on Shutter, much you know live quote unquote live. Uh, they're recorded segments, obviously, but just like Joe Bob does and Darcy do their evenings, they did an Elvira one, which I thought was great inspired. And I know that the fans were asking for that. So it's great fan service. So she gave a lot of fan service. So it was four. It was a four movie marathon. And uh, the first movie was Elvira Mistress of the Dark, because, you know. Of course, that's awesome. <laughs> then it was House on Haunted Hill, mm-hmm. Vincent Price, yay. And then City of the Dead, and then Messiah of Evil. Those were the four oh, movies. I, I, I think I got about 80% through, and then I passed out. So which movie did you pass out in? The very la- the Messiah the one. The last one. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think I, there may have been like 20 minutes left, and I, I woke up like an hour later, like everybody was off Discord. My my <laughs> my computer's open on the bed. I'm like, oh! Like I, was, I was out. There's like popcorn done. smeared across your yeah, face. Probably. <laughs> Dogs everywhere. I, I was like, oh, and my TV was on because I had the SC game on in the back. They got slaughtered. I'm like, this, this everything is a horror movie. <laughs> it's all a horror. Mm-hmm. So I enjoyed watching Watching Elvira, I must say that during the fourth movie, she was punching. You know how Elvira back in the day, she would like punch in and say a couple of really snide things about the movie, and then and then you'd start watching, and then she'd punch in and say it, or she'd say it over the movie. A lot of times, it would be like a little her little face in the corner or whatever. Sure. So they did some punching in of her snide comments during the last movie, Messiah of Evil, because you know it's it's quite it's quite the trudge that movie. Yeah. But that's the Elvira that I really love. I mean, I do love her like goofy segments and, um, you know, musical numbers and all of that. But I do my one of my favorite things is like the commentary where she punches in and says a bunch of shit. Yeah. (laughs) So I did enjoy that part of the last movie. She looks great, too. She looks amazing, of course. So Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, you know, 1988 comedy. like so bad. It's so bad. I haven't. I mean, I probably saw it back in the day. Do I remember anything about it? Absolutely not. So it was kind of cool to just sit down and watch it and to watch it with Elvira and with friends was fun because I just, I would have never actually paid attention to that movie in my prior lives. (laughs) I don't know about you, but. No, no. And in fact, I really just remember Elvira from like popping in and out on Halloween, like, you know, on Halloween, there would on be, Halloween. she would host all a bunch night. of movies, right? All night. It was really Elvira, cool. Mistress of the Dark, mm-hmm. all night. And it was really cool. She'd pop in and say funny things and snide things and you'd giggle at her. But yeah. that's exactly how I remember her as well. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of fun to have her do, host this with her own movies. And then House on Haunted Hill, I watch it every year around this time. I really like it as far as, I mean, it's 1959. It's a classic, mm-hmm. fun, kind of Clue-esque movie and i just enjoy i enjoy that movie so i watch it every year so this was no different and then city of the dead is 1961 it's black and white i believe as i remember we're Mm -hmm. watching it i don't know Uh, it kind of i was bored i was watching the c game at that point i could it it, it had a i had a hard time getting into that Yep, I did as well. Young college student Nan Barlow arrives in the sleepy Massachusetts town of Whitewood to research witchcraft. So if you have any triggers around witches being burned or 
women being pathologized in that way. A lot of histies in that one. There's a lot of histies. There's a lot of screaming. There's a lot of those old sound effects from the 50s, basically, of women screaming in the background. Right. I mean, I, I like a good movie on witchcraft, and there's certainly a lot of old ones that deal with witchcraft. I, I just, I was not partial to this movie. It gets a lot of good reviews from back in the day, but I mean, Christopher Lee is in it, so that's a reason to watch. Although just, he doesn't have a huge part in it. No, and it just happens to, it just happens to not be my, one of my faves so far. And then Messiah of Evil was the last. And... <laughs> Evil. evil. I, I, I mean, we were just talking about the concept of evil, and before I think before we started recording, because when we talk about serial killers or Ted Bundy or anybody, you know, the idea of quote unquote evil always comes up, and so not enough evil, first of all. Oh, and in City of the Dead, not enough dead. No, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. that's what it was. There was this idea that of it was dead. more about the histrionic women. It was more about the histrionic women and and about the and witches being pathologized and you know burnt. Yeah, 1973 American supernatural horror film. So what? <laughs> it's just painful. This movie's just painful. There's it's an interesting thing because you get this these like I don't know what you would call them. I guess they're like ersatz vampires they're like inferior vampires <laughs> something Just something kind of vampire-y about them and then they the one thing i did sort of enjoy about this movie is when they would have the scenes where there would be the one living person there you know at the movie theater there's like a girl in the movie theater i think her name is joy bang that's what <laughs> elvira is making fun of her because the woman's name is joy bang oh i was like gosh. oh okay and then all of the the vampire people are coming in and filling the movie theater and sitting down and watching the movie. That's why they're not like vampire vampires. They're just mm -hmm. like sitting down watching the movie. And then all of a sudden they decide to attack her. Mm -hmm. And there's another one where there's a woman in a grocery store and she walks in and they're all at the pharmacy because that's where all the vampires hang out. Yeah. Eating. No, they're in the no no they're in the meat section eating all the raw meat, and she just happens into the grocery store and walks back there, and she's like, "Oh shit!" And then yeah. they all turn and chase her, and then eat her in the grocery store. Wonderful. So there's some fun scenes like that, but mm -hmm. the rest of it, oh, 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 yeah, it's bad. All right. So what else? So, but also fun, fun to do like mm -hmm. as a group and also as Shudder doing Elvira. I hope they do more Elvira yeah. stuff. That's super fun. She's great. So what else did you watch? Well, first of all, I finally allowed myself to, I, I really had been holding off on watching this movie because I knew I was going to have just like a real reaction to it and I had to prep for it. And so it came out in 2019 and I'm finally getting around to it, but it's midsummer and I, I loved hereditary, which was in my opinion, nowhere near as fucked up as this movie, but also done incredibly well. So just to give a refresher, if people haven't seen it or they have seen it, but it's been a while, a couple travels to Scandinavia, to Scandinavia to visit a rural hometown's fabled Swedish midsummer festival. Uh, what begins as an idyllic retreat quickly develops into an increasingly violent and bizarre competition at the hands of a pagan cult. This, so Ari Aster, um, who also did Hereditary, who has just this wild imagination and so artistic, but I have to say, like, I have to prepare to watch his movies. And this one, I now know why I waited so long to watch it. F Florence Pugh, by the way, is just like, 
She's amazing. I'll watch her in anything. Anything she does. And she stole this film. But man, there are some really difficult scenes to get through in this movie. And I can do horror all day. I can do slashers all day. I can do psychological thrillers all day. But there's something about... How do you even describe this, Shannon? Like I would describe. I mean, it, it is as, a slasher. That's how they describe it. But yeah, yeah. how do you describe well, it's this cult? The trope of a cult. I guess so. It's culty. Yeah. That is what it is. I mean, yeah. that is what. They, yeah. What's happening there is a cult. But I would say the technical term of fucked upness is yeah, really because I mean, there's fu- his game, like yeah. psychological. Sure. Torment, um, torment, humiliation. Yeah. All of that, right? Uh, torment is really it's 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 extreme it is extreme like you're watching people commit suicide and but you also see them hit the ground and what happens to their face when they hit the ground and not in like a eli roth shock factor i always use that as a comparison no it's like in hereditary when a certain character gets beheaded it's real you 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 feel it you feel it you see it i mean i visceral is the word i would use probably is that i have a visceral reaction when i watch his films and i think that's his talent it is i mean that's what we're saying is that these are these are amazing and most reviewers i've ever heard talk about these movies say like this is one of my favorite movies of this year and i'll never watch it again that's 100 and and i will say this too i think that as you weave through all of the fucked upness, which some people just watch it for that, and that's fine. The story and the message and the ending to me was so brilliant in the way that he essentially has a lesson, right? And then, spoiler alert, if anyone's mute for the next 20 seconds, if you haven't seen it, I'll give you a second to mute it. When she smiles at the end and you know that it's like, I've been through everything now and this is my freedom. I mean, it, it in that, and it's so subtle and it's so amazing and Nuanced. it's so fucking powerful, but I still walk away from it going, I will never sit through that again, but it is one of the most powerful films I've ever seen. Me too. And I, I believe that, you know, people say, Oh, do you like hereditary better than midsummer and vice versa? Like that's one of the conversations, of course, that happens with filmmakers and their work and all of that is I think that, I think Midsummer stuck the ending Oof. in a much more powerful way. And I realized that the hereditary ending was trying to do that. Yeah, it didn't do it for but me. But it though. didn't do it for me. Mm-mm. And I had to read like 15 articles to yep. understand what the fuck happened. Same. At this the end of was so. I'm like, wait, where do we go? What happened? But this one, this one was seamless. He really stuck the ending with this one. And he writes and directs this movie. So he really stuck the ending. <laughs> I don't know how he's going to top himself after this but i'm excited to see it but at the same time dreading it because of the preparation mentally to get through his films but anyway i just wanted to bring it up because psychologically you know we've watched a couple other films in our our past as friends that are from other decades that to me remind me of his his style (laughs) in a way and i don't know like this one really this this did something to me Gotcha. Yeah, his next movie, apparently, he wrote and directed a movie that he's filming right now called Disappointment Boulevard. Okay. But it's comedy drama horror. Okay. I don't, I don't know. You know, I think 
who knows yeah who knows what's happening there i mean joaquin phoenix is in it so okay. you know there's gonna be some fucked up yeah it's gonna be real there. fucked up <laughs> so there it is but uh i watched well we both watched creep show the first episode it was of good. season three. oh my gosh it was good so this episode is airing before the second episode comes out just before because they're gonna come out every thursday night for the next six you know, 12 weeks or whatever it is yeah, or six weeks, whatever it is, they're going to come out every Thursday night with a new one. So we watched the first one last week and it was so good. And it's, uh, as I said, actually, he said like it's fan service. It's like oh. pure unadulterated fan service. And they just delivered in that and way. The practical effects. That's what I mean. Yeah. Everybody ch- goes to creep show for practical effects for strict horror. Yep. Uh, and in they the first did episode, there's two stories that happen. So you get that short horror film and they just deliver because they've got money. So they've got these. It's the, usually two episodes per. Yeah. Two episode, stories. Two stories yeah. per episode. Yeah. It, yep. They were both It was like, fire. Yeah. Both of them. Really good. So mm-hmm. episode one was great. I don't imagine all the episodes will be that great. They led, of course, with their strength. And so we'll just follow it along and yeah. see how it goes. It but awesome. we would both heavily recommend yep. season three episode one correct and i know that everybody who's a creep show fan which i i wouldn't necessarily say i am like i don't i definitely don't know all the episodes and seasons in and out mm-hmm. and i certainly don't even know the old show mm-hmm. that way but i know that everybody has like their favorite episodes of season two and, mm-hmm. and all of that but this i Ooh, i would doll, be the very house one that one got me there you go i would be very surprised if this wasn't one of the favorites yeah, of this season good. i mean if they can top it well okay yeah. so Cool. What else did you watch? I watched a movie called The Strange House. It's actually an Austrian movie that came out on Netflix, came out in tw- this year. Okay. Um, when Sabine and her two sons, Heinrich and Eddie, move from Germany to a small village in Austria, it seems like they may have a chance at a fresh start. Though teen Heinrich is less than pleased to leave his friends behind, he comes around a little and starts trying to adjust to their new lives. It isn't long before it becomes clear that something is amiss in this house. Eddie begins sleepwalking and carving things into the wall. Hmm. An attic door opens all by itself and family photos disappear from their places on the wall and are replaced by photos of the family who lived there before. Hmm. As you do. As you do. Um, Overall, it it kept me entertained and it had a flavor of like Stranger Things and like a throwback to like the 80s sort of feel. Um, But I agree with a lot of the critics where it starts off really strong and then it doesn't really deliver. Like I kind of felt when I was looking back at um, talking about it, I remember going, it's not really good that I don't remember a lot of the middle of the movie, Mm -hmm. like kind of falls. Right. But there's some really good suspense in it. Um, I think the characters are, are likable, you know, it's, it's, it's the, your everyday sort of spirit haunted house spooky kind of film. Yeah. It looks like it's on Netflix, right? It's on Netflix and it came out this year and it, you can, I, I watched it subtitled cause I don't mind the subtitles, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, it's fun. Well, you know, and it's also in the kids and family section too. So yeah. I mean, it's just one of those where it's like, you know, it's your spooky haunted house kind of, yeah. I'm yeah. going to guess it's PG 13 if it's, if it's in the kids and family section, but, and, and some people really, really, really like PG 13 horror Mm -hmm. because you have to be creative and also that there's a kid element to it. Mm -hmm. So like you said, it can like be family oriented kind of thing. Yep. Family oriented horror. So 
Yeah, I can see that it didn't get great reviews, but it also sounds like it's just kind of a fun thing. It anyway. is. It, that's exactly like, what it is. Like if you're just looking for that. And it's not necessarily a kid's movie. It's like there gotcha. are there are scenes that are scary, but you'd say like early teens and on could probably watch it. Yeah, kind of depending. Like if it was in your family, then definitely. In my family, yeah, we could watch <laughs> The Exorcist when we were four. <laughs> there it is. There you go. Not without, you know, detrimental mm-hmm. effects. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously. I wanted to mention this movie called The Guilty. It's a 2021 movie. It's a psychological thriller. It's only 90 minutes long, rated R. It stars Jake Gyllenhaal. It's directed by Antoine Fuqua, who did Training oh, Day. I was going to say, I've heard and that. And a bunch movie. of yeah. other things. Mm-hmm. He's incredibly talented. And But this movie is not entirely out yet i think when our this episode airs it will be coming out in the next couple of days after that i think it's like october 1st it drops to netflix i just had the opportunity to get a screener of it and so i watched it and whoosh jake dylan hall is amazing it's kind of an isolation horror in a way but it's a psychological thriller there's no you know there's not like a horror element type of thing it's actually it was actually a 2018 Danish flick, and I tell you, we make a we make a lot of remakes of some really great Scandinavian films. Some of my actually some of my favorite like crime thrillers because that's what this is. Some of my favorite crime thrillers have been Scandinavian born, and then mm-hmm. we remake them. And you know, I did want to say that I also was able to watch like a Q and A and stuff of of their making of the film, and they shot it in eleven days. So there's that. And it's basically Jake Jake Gyllenhaal and a a lot of voice acting. There's a lot of voice acting because he's a demoted police officer assigned to a call dispatch desk. And he receives a call, an emergency phone call from a kidnapped woman. Hmm. And then the drama ensues over the 90 minutes. And it's tense. It's not exactly what you would expect. I mean... It's just watching. I really like Jake Gyllenhaal. I do too. And so I enjoy when it's focused on him. And so if you don't like him, then maybe you're not going to like this movie because the whole movie is him. But he's really good. And Antoine is amazing at building tension Mm -hmm. and story. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I would say when it comes out, it's going to drop to Netflix. It's called The Guilty, Jake Gyllenhaal. I would be very surprised if they didn't push for him to get nominated okay. for for the for it. You know, it's that kind of it's that kind of property. Yeah, it's all him. Mm-hmm. I mean, they shot it in eleven days. It's not like a scene he's not in. Type right of thing. So cool. Yeah. Did you watch anything else you wanted to mention? No, I will just say that I have been keeping up on Halloween Wars, which is one of my favorite. <laughs> yes. um, I love, Please. love, love baking and I love the creativity. So there's a new season. There's a new season. Where do you um, watch it? Oh, I think the Food Network, I think sometimes has it. Yeah. The Food Network has it. Gotcha. Um, I think new episodes are on Sundays. I usually watch like watch it later or whatever okay but my god like the stuff that these people can make (laughs) and how and it's all because it's all i mean i like watching the british bake-offs and all that too but when it's strictly halloween Uh, and they're building these desserts that 
I mean, they did I watched it, some of it. Last these ladies year. did cookies with like razor blades in them and like blood <laughs> on the razor. blade, and it, everything looks so meticulous and amazing. And I just have so much fun watching them build oh, this stuff. I have not dug in this year yet. It's but fun. I watched a bunch Good of it stuff. last year. Yeah. And the fun thing about it is like, you don't really even have to, you could just throw it in. Yeah. Cause there's no, just so everyone knows there's no arc. No, of the competition. I mean, unless you really want to follow like the competition part of it, there is. Which, but otherwise, which, you know, which I find in that show isn't really all that important. No, I just like watching the creativity of it. Honestly, like a lot of those competition shows, it's actually kind of really fun to watch the mm-hmm. arc of the competition. But with that one, I don't find that as much. No, no they don't no. concentrate on it as much as they concentrate on the creativity. Right, and it's super fun. Awesome. Right on. So thank you, everybody. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, wait. You got another- we have trivia. Oh, trivia. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Answers. I don't know any of them. Go. Okay. Just kidding. Oh, my gosh. I really, I, have- I really don't think I did. All right. In the year 1990, this Halloween candy commercial involved Count Dracula demonstrating how he ate what Halloween chocolate favorites. I wrote down Count Chocula. It was the Reese's peanut butter cup, and he bit into it, and then ah. there was this howl, and this fog, and he has two little fangs, and he'd suck the peanut butter out. <laughs> it's 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 known as one of the most famous and loved halloween commercials of all time that's amazing and i remember when it came out number two the the, there are about 50 people in the world who have a medical condition called hypertrichosis what is the condition otherwise known as i do not know werewolf syndrome causes unusual amount of hair growth all over the body (laughs) nice number three what can be used to repel a ghost Hugging. Salt. Salt. It's an agent of preservation and purification. Interesting. That's why in some horror books and stuff too, they'll put salt on the door. Sure. And it never works. I know. In the movies, it never works. (laughs) Yeah, nothing ever works in the movies. (laughs) Uh, Number four, what common blood deficiency was once often mistaken for a symptom of a vampire attack? Uh, I don't know. It's like a medical word that I don't know. Anemia. Oh, okay. Low iron makes sense, right? Yeah, totally. And then number five, what was Freddy Krueger accused of and how did he die? Oh, gosh. I really don't know. He was a child murderer. Oh, yeah. Um, right. And right, I believe right. they may have even... I said that really excitedly, like, a child murderer. <laughs> right. Awesome. They may have even insinuated <laughs> no, at some not po- awesome. They may have insinuated at some point, too, that I think he was a, like a child sex offender. Um, he was acquitted. I could be making that up, but I no, don't no, think I, I am. And acquitted me. of those charges since the police officer who searched his house did not execute the search warrant properly. The parents of these children went to Freddie's house one night and burned his house down. So he died. Um, and that's, that's why, why he, he's all burnt. Well, And that's why he always comes through the boiler room. And why he's dressed like Christmas. Yeah. Just kidding. I don't know why he's dressed like Christmas. There you go. Well, thank you so much. I got none of those right. None. Which is okay with me. All right. Because I learned some stuff. That's the point. And I haven't watched the Freddy series in a real long time. So maybe we'll have to do that this year when we're done with Friday the 13th. Sounds great. See what's up. All right. Thank you, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. This has been an episode of Terror Talk. My name is Shannon. And I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone.